by the blood of Jesus, that by the stripes of Jesus, he is healed, Father. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for a speedy recovery, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for his rehabilitation, Lord. I thank you, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Father. Lord, bless our children, Lord. Lord, bless Birmingham, Jefferson County right now, Father. If we ever needed you, it's right now, Father. Lord, we got so much killing, Lord, going on, Lord. We got so much abuse going on, Lord. Lord, what we need is more of you, Father. Bless us right now, Father. Lord, I pray that you will let us down in thy storehouse this morning, Lord. Feed us, Lord, with thy bread of heaven. Feed us till we want no more, Father. Lord, bring back, Lord, the remembrance, Lord, of all those good times, Lord. I'm just an old preacher, Father. Raised up in the old way, Lord, the ancient way, the landmark, Father. I thank you, Lord. It's all in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray and give thanks. And all the people of God say, amen. Amen. Good morning, poor father. Glad to see you. And those that are listening out there in radio land, TV land, internet land, computer land, wherever you at, God bless you. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to the first chapter of Samuel, dealing with chapter 17. First Samuel 17. Some verses I would like to cover. But our topic this morning will deal with Goliath must fall. I believe that there's a Goliath in all our lives. Hindering us. Tormenting us. Taunting us. But there is help today. And it's found in the word of God. Goliath must fall. When you found 1 Samuel chapter 17, say amen. And if you need some time, you can say, hold up. I'm one of the ones that believe you should always bring your Bible with you. I know that I know they've made it convenient to have it on your phone and everything, but it's just something about being able to flip those pages. I believe there's a little extra in it. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17, I'm going to begin with the fourth verse. And it reads, I'm going to skip around so that you know. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubit and expand. So this, this, this fella here was over nine feet tall. How tall is your giant? Verses 8 through 11. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I, am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you. And let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me 
and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevailed against you and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 24 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. Our last verses will come from 31 through 40. And it reads, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said unto Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he have defiled the armies of the living God. Did David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the power of the lion and out of the power of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his arm, and he assailed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had even in a script and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine may the Lord bless the reader the hearer and doer of his word Goliath must fall Do you have a giant or giants in your life 
that is holding you captive, intimidating you, and stealing your joy. Adversaries like procrastination, fear, rejection, anger, or addiction are giants that can and will stake a foothold in your heart if you let them. Today, we're going to deal with the giant of fear and procrastination in this lesson. There is also another giant in this lesson called anger and rejection. But fear and procrastination is what we will look at today. Procrastination is the action of delaying or postponing something important. Delaying, postponing something that is very important. People often procrastinate because they are afraid of failing. What are you afraid of failing today? The fear of failing promotes procrastination in two ways. One, causing people to avoid finishing a task. Two, getting started on a task. It either gonna prevent you from finishing or prevent you from starting what you're supposed to do. It's something that we're all familiar with, but I don't know if we look at it as being a giant, but it is. The hardest thing to do is to begin, to start, whether it's to go to school, whether it's to decide you wanna get married, whether it's to decide, whatever it is, it takes faith to step out. But a lot of times people don't have the faith. In the story of David and Goliath, we notice how the giant of procrastination and fear hindered, hampered, and prevented the nation of Israel from engaging the enemy, which was the Philistine, as well as Goliath. Notice in here, I read, and, and, and when you read the lesson and go through the whole chapter of um, 1 Samuel 17, you would notice that the Israelites issued their battle cry daily. They suited up and went out to the front line, but did nothing. Is that true? Do you issue your battle cry, say what you're going to do early in the morning, but just as soon as you get in front of or you get where you're supposed to get, you get quiet, you shut down, you're nervous, you won't speak out. This is what people are dealing with every day and on a daily basis. What was amazing is that the children of Israel or the Israelites had God on their side. But for 40 days, they were prevented from moving forward because of procrastination, of fear, and fear. Goliath would come out each day and taunt them. And judging from their actions, they would say, not today. But when David, the shepherd boy, came on the scene, he did in one day what the arm of Israel hadn't been able to do in 40 days. Amazing. How is it that a child's like faith is greater than an adult's faith? Is it amazing that we are to come to him as children, as a child, but not as an adult? Is it because that as we get older, we stop believing, but we believe more as a child? A childlike faith. 
This is the difference between something spiritual and something carnal. For 40 days, Israel had been wavering and putting off today for tomorrow. And when tomorrow came, it was today. Does that sound familiar? People always putting off today for tomorrow. And really, tomorrow never comes because when it does, they treat it as today. Even when it comes to getting saved. Oh, I'm going I'm to I'm 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 give my life next Sunday. I, I, I give my life next time. Next time. I got something to do. I got to get right before I even come and give myself to the Lord. But it's amazing. Notice that the giant kept coming day in and day out but they did nothing. The giant in your life will show up day in and day out. One thing you can guarantee, I can guarantee you this, if you do not confront the giant in your life, he, she, it ain't going away. It's gonna be there every day. It's not going nowhere. At some point in time, you gotta fight. You gotta stand up for what is right. This is where we are today. David showed up and said, this is crazy. And this ends today. There's a David in all of us. That mindset. At some point in time, you got to say it's crazy. This ends today. I'm not taking it no more. I, I, I don't care. Enough is enough. Know this, that God wants you to see beyond your fear and stop procrastinating and recognize that there is something of eternal significance that you are fighting for. God is calling you to a higher and greater purpose. He wants you to step out in obedience to his will, put on the whole armor of God, rally around his battle cry, and engage the enemy. Obtaining the victory over the giant is answering the call to fight. To obtain victory over the giant, you have to answer the call to fight, which is done in Jesus. Faith thrives in discomfort. Hear me. Faith thrives in discomfort. The cross brought pain to Jesus, and yet in the same breath, it brought us freedom. Freedom. We gain freedom through the cross. When David volunteered to fight Goliath, King Saul told him he was not able. He went on to tell David he was no match for the giant because the giant had been a warrior from his youth. But David refused to be persuaded and insisted on fighting the giant. Wow. How many times people have told you what you could do? That it was too much to handle. 
that it was too big for you. That's too far to go. I don't think you understand. You, you, you need to go back. But if God is on your side, if God be for you, who can be against you? See, David had a testimony. Do you have one? God had brought David through some trying times as a youth. What about you? How many hills you don't have to climb to get where you are? How many mountains? How, how many rivers? How many streams? What have you been through that you have not that you have not drawn on to get you over the hump where you at? You ain't always been saved. You ain't always been good. You ain't always been who you are. It's a simply by the grace of God. We live, we move, we have our being. It's him. Notice that King Saul attempted to cover him up with his own armor. He wanted David to suit up so that he would look stronger and more protected than he really was. What I want you to notice is that, is that King Saul saw things from a carnal perspective, whereas that David saw it from a spiritual perspective. David already told him, I, I, I can't prove this. I, I understand. I can only use what God done gave me. I want to let you know what God done gave you is enough. What God has blessed you with is enough. It's enough to defeat the giant in your life. That other giant that I spoke of that we'll address at a much later time Anger and rejection deals with David's brother. When you're looking at, he was angry and mad, but you got to ask yourself, why was he angry and mad? I understand he went down when he was selected. When God showed up at Jesse's place, David was out telling his beard. I, 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 I can hear the bear of God say, don't you got another son? He, he, he was already selected and one ain't there in the lineup. Here it is. The older brother is one of the head people of the soldiers in, in, in the battle that's fighting. But understand, he too was scared. And when David showed up talking all that death, uh, uh, why are you here? I dare you to read 17. You, when you look at it, you will see it. He had some issues where he felt that David promotion meant hit his demotion, but it ain't. And sometimes in your life, you will think that because somebody else gets promoted, that means it's a demotion for you, meaning you was older, but God has something for you that is simply for you. Oh, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Y'all looking at me like, man, you speed it up, Rev. Speed it up. So he wanted him to look more strong. The sharp contrast between David and Saul is their faith in God. And it is clearly illustrated in the confrontation between the Israelites and the Philistine army. Though Saul looked good on the outside, he wasn't so impressive on the inside. 
when selected to be king, Saul hid among his baggage, his stuff, revealing that he was a coward from the beginning. Oh, I know you want to know. That's found in 1 Samuel 10 and 22. When you look it up, he, he was hiding. You finna be king. That they, He had to be called twice. Hear me now, this person going to be king. And so if his character, if what he has is somewhat of a coward, and the people following him, they allowed to be cowards too. It's important to have a strong leader. God knows what he's doing when he's choosing. Not only that, in the face of difficult circumstances, Saul found it hard to trust God and did things his way instead of God's way. What you mean, Reverend? That's found in 1 Samuel 13, verses 8 through 15. Saul, in other words, offered strange fire because the prophet didn't show up where he was. He, 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 he was getting hit in his pain. Oh, we, we got to fight. I don't know whether. Trust God. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. We serve an on-time God. But I want you to get it now. Understand, he was a coward, and he didn't have much faith in God, and he did things his way. Also, when tempted by the spoils of war, he chose to disobey God's explicit instruction. That's found in 1 Samuel 15, verses 7 uh, through 9. Understand, I think it was Agag, he, when he took off, he, he took the spoils. And he, then he killed a man, supposed to kill him. Hear me now. This was Israel's leader. This man was Israel's king, but what I've given you is his character. The people chose him. God didn't choose him. They didn't want God. They wanted that person after uh, I guess their own heart or what they thought ought to look like a king, but God is different. Last but least, in this account that we read in 1 Samuel 17 and 11, when publicly challenged by the Philistines' champion soldier, Goliath, Saul shrank in fear. Here their leader is afraid, and because he's afraid, he makes everybody else afraid. Oftentimes our kids are afraid of things because we're afraid of things. We pass our fear on to our children. It's amazing. They don't come in this world fearing nothing. They learn it. It's a learned behavior. So what are we teaching? Through civil rights, the, uh, our, our Caucasian brothers and sisters learn hate from their parents. And we learn hate from ours to hate them. Because they hate us. So I guess hate, hate, hurting people hurt people. When it doesn't have to be that way. But that is a giant that has been terrorizing America, the world, for a long time. I want us to understand this. 
David, on the other hand, was young, but outwardly unimpressive. He looked more like the shepherd he was than a mighty king. Wow, looks can be deceiving. I know it covered up. They said, you can't judge a book by its cover. You got to open it up. You got to read it. Oftentimes, we judge things by look. We, 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 we so hooked on, we, we, we so messed up with the Sprite commercial and images and everything. So well, we see that deep. He fine is all outdoors. She fine is all outdoors. Nothing else. Let that look good. Let, what? We look at arranged marriages as being crazy, but I guarantee that we look at it. Parents knew something. Now nah, you, you're you going to need somebody that know how to do some things. Besides, look like they can do something. Looks ain't everything, baby. I know I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I apologize. In 1 Samuel 16 and 17, it said, God looketh on the heart. He chose David because of his faith and inner character. 1 Samuel 13 and 14 says, David was a man after God's own heart, yet in our eyesight, he was a boy. But God saw more. Understand, before you ever become who you are in God, God already sees. He just got to nurture it. You know, with, with us in preaching, it's that one, one, one planet through one water, but God gives the increase. God has a way of growing you. There's a time and a place for everything. Unlike Saul being a coward, David, who was still just a youth, was willing to confront Goliath with tremendous courage built on his trust in the Lord. Huh? Why wouldn't I have trust? Have you ever seen a lion up close? When the last time you've been to the zoo? I, I, I want to let you know. When the, you, if you ain't been, I need you to go to the Atlanta Zoo. You need to look at them. Like, the lion look like a giant compared to us. When the last time you've been up on a bell and let it rise up? You trying to tell me that ain't a giant? But imagine you, you facing a lion and a bear, and you're a child. What? And all you got in your hand is a slingshot. I want to ask you, who is Goliath? If God done brought me through a line, I understand, the line, I, he only confronted me because I confronted him. Woo, I know y'all missed it now. It said, in the word that I read, he ran after the line. He ran after the bell because they had taken one of the lambs. Understand? What he was supposed to be protecting, it had came and got it. And his job was to go get it. It didn't appear that he had no help. He didn't need none as long as God is on his side. The same thing with you. This is why Goliath must fall in your life. Rather than rely on human means of protection, talking about songs, armor, and so on, David was equipped with only his shepherd's gear. 
How many here got your shepherd's gift? <laughs> Which consisted of a staff, five smooth stones, and a sling. But most importantly, David put his trust in the Lord of hosts. I wonder who you're putting your trust in today. When Saul cowered in fear, David took a stand in faith. Understand, if you want to cancel out fear, you need faith. David declared that there is a God in Israel which was motivated by his zealous love for God. We do the same thing in our lives when we feel powerless and hurt. We put on false armor and hide. The honest truth is most of us all have something in our lives that we feel that we cannot live without. Whether it is alcohol, drugs, sex, relationships, shopping, accomplishments, and even social media. We are enslaved to it and will not break the habit of going to it when we feel vulnerable. Jesus is not our first choice most of the time, but our last choice. Nobody wants to hear this. Understand when Goliath show up, you go to something else. Huh? I wish you would stop running to the house of straw. I wish you would stop running to the house of sticks. But there is only one house of wood. The cornerstone. The enemy can huff. The enemy can puff all he wants. But he won't blow it down. We talk about the big bad wood. You got to know the big bad wolf is a giant and it show up in different places. That's how we're dealing with Goliath. He ain't nothing but a big bad wolf. Just huffing and just puffing. God showed out with a poor shepherd. He didn't need a real, he didn't need a full grown man. Let me sit out my boy. David. Don't handle my life, wait. What? What? Hey, y'all. Hey, 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 you said in the back of that, but handle my life, wait. Know this as I get ready to close. That any giant you refuse to engage in battle, in Jesus' name, will rob you of God's best for you. It can and will lead you down a never-ending path to an unfulfilled life and broken promises. In the end and without the Lord's help, it will stand towering over you, ridiculing you for all the wrong you have done and for taking advantage of Jesus Christ. Then you know, you say, I thought you was a Christian. I thought you was this. There is good news today. Because God has made a way for all of your giants to fall. And it starts with believing and knowing that the giants you are facing now are not bigger than Jesus. Jesus has already defeated the giants in your life. And we are encouraged to look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith and not focus on the height 
the size or the statue of the giant. Because in the word of God, in Romans 8, 35 through 39, it lets us know nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, heaven's hero. Jesus, earth's champion. Jesus, the greatest man in history. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him a teacher. He had no medicine, yet they called him a healer. He was born in Bethlehem. He was reared in Nazareth. He was tried in unjust courts, hung, crucified, dead and buried. But he didn't stay dead. Early the third day morning, early Sunday morning, before the early bird got the worm, before the dew hit the grass, he got up with all power in his head and declared that I am he that was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. The doors of the church are open as our musicians play. If there is one, will you come? You don't have to stay the way you are, in the shape you are, the part wants to fix you, put you back together again. Will there be one? Come on. Come on. Come on.